Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. If you've ever been through losing a child or having a miscarriage or a stillbirth and just warning you in advance that this interview this week is we, we are going deep into this with my guest today catch blackburn uh and he opens up about the, the whole experience of of just how challenging that was um so if it's not something you're ready for i'm just letting you know that in, letting you know that in advance but if it if it is and and you have been through it and you're still grappling with it this will help massively him sharing his story and and you'll get so much from that now even if it's not, you haven't experienced that, but you've experienced any sort of loss through through death or a relationship breakdown. There's so much in this episode for you. Um, yeah, it's emotional, uh, but it's also the sort of thing that is so powerful in helping you to heal whatever you've been through yourself. So enjoy this, have the tissues ready, and um, yeah, I'll see you next for the world. You'll hear in a second when we get into the interview. Hey, everyone. Welcome this week's guest, Catch Blackburn. Catch, how are you, my man? Yeah, doing phenomenal. How you doing? Very good, thank you. Uh, I can't remember, like, what the connection was, but, oh, no, I think I was reaching out for podcast guests, and you're like, yeah, man, have I got a story for you? And, uh, you know, a lot of people say they got a story, but when you started telling me your story and the impact, it was like, wow. So, like I said to you, before we come on, like we start with the big stuff. So tell us a bit yeah. about how that story unfolded for you and the impact it had on your life. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, like I guess to give you my background, like I'm 41 now, um, you know, I've got three boys. Um, so Lucas is nine this year, um, Hendrix is eight and Cruz is seven. And, you know, if you sort of rewind sort of nine years ago, 2014, um, you know, I was very busy i'd sort of uh, you know running a traditional business working 70 hours a week um on the gold coast so i'd done a lot of personal development sort of been around sort of business development and um, personal development with um landmark for a number of years and was sort of doing that in a senior leadership role within the brisbane community and um living a very full life you know and then um you know we, we fell pregnant with with lucas and you know I, i'd kind of before we fell pregnant i did all these things to sort of I was like, if I'm going to bring a human into the world, I want it to be, you know, the, the best possible shot at being healthy. And, um, you know, so we did all these things before we even got pregnant, you know, like juice cleansers and acupuncture and all this Chinese herbs and all this stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it was really just 
when we did fall pregnant, it was like, I've always wanted to be a dad. I think, you know, being a dad is, is the greatest gift there is, you know, as, as well as being a parent, you know, being a mum as well. And, um, you know, so everything was sort of, you know, perfectly normal throughout the pregnancy. We, um, you know, we, we sort of did a lot of healthy stuff. You know, I was always massaging and doing um, heat work with my, my wife's body and, you know, eating right and doing, you know, going and seeing the right people and getting supported. And, um, yeah, it was uh, sort of May 2000. And, so this is 2014. And, you know, the the basically what happened was I'd set up my business to run sort of two months so I could be a full-time dad for a couple of months without having the pressure of traditional business. Um, And, you know, we also finished coaching on the leadership program um, with Landmark, which was a nine-month program. And so, you know, Lucas was a part of that program for the whole nine months, you know, and it was sort of 20, 30 hours a week of, you know, really coaching people on what's possible and how to contribute to the world and, um, you know, becoming our highest version of ourselves and, so he was really in that environment for the nine months, you know, he was really the possibility of possibilities, if you like. Yeah. And um, we finished that coaching on the, on the Tuesday. And, you know, I, was, I remember being in the Tuesday, we, we went in to sort of get a checkup and he was due the week before. So and there was a bit of contention around his due date and um, they weren't too sure. And we were sort of always, always about the natural process. And just whenever he comes, he comes. And we had a doula and, you know, we're doing all the right things. And um, we went out on the Tuesday and they were, they were sort of going to induce my wife. And then we thought, no, nah, we'll just, we'll set a date. And if he's not out by next Monday, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Um, we finished coaching on the Tuesday night. And, um, yeah, it was on the sort of Thursday around lunchtime, sort of my wife sort of felt like something wasn't quite right. And, um, you know, so we called Jenny not long after. There's about four o'clock we called Jenny and uh, our doula and um you know she was great and she sort of said like you know cassie had said like we hadn't um like my ex-wife hadn't she hadn't felt lucas move in a little while and and jenny sort of said you know well why don't you drink a glass of cold water and i'll make my way over there and you know that'll get him to move around a bit you know and sort of nothing happened and sort of that raised a few concerns and jenny come over and we, we went into into the martyr hospital in brisbane and so, uh, you know, I had my, my ex-mother-in-law there and uh, my ex-wife's best friend and sort of we went as a convoy. You know, it was like five of us, off we go and pack all the hamper and all the baby's clothes and everything and off we go into the, you know, into the hospital to have our baby, let all our friends know and all our friends come over and look after the dog and, you know, everyone's sort of yeah. rallying around us to sort of support us in the journey, you know. And, um, yeah, we got into the hospital and it, it sort of felt like something was not quite right. You know, there was... Just there was a little bit of concern there, but you know, um, I guess the naivety of being a you know, like a first time dad, I'd just never really been around childbirth a lot or never, you know, don't really know, you know. And um, yeah, so we ended up just my wife and I, my ex wife and I went into um, a small little room, probably not too, too bigger than this. And you know, she lies on the bed and um, there's two or three nurses around and they put a monitor on, on Lucas and for some reason it wasn't working properly or it couldn't, the monitor wasn't working. So they, they wheeled out the monitor and said, Oh, we'll get a, we'll get another one in. And they put another monitor on him and, you know, they said, Oh, this one's having issues as well. And, you know, we'll just get a doctor to come in and um, yeah. So this, this woman comes in and sort of looks at the screen, sort of does a few things over Cassie's belly. And then she sort of turns us and said, sorry, so you, um, Unfortunately, your baby's got no heartbeat. He's died. Just, just that matter of factly. Done. 
just and I was like, so I did like she was kind of like, what the fuck did she just say? Like it didn't register actually. Like we and then because what she said is, you know, this you should see these red and yellow things here, red and white, red and blue things. Um, what we'll do is we'll go upstairs and get you a scan. All I heard was we're going upstairs to get a scan. Yeah, right? Right. you know what I mean. Like for me, it was like something's really wrong here. We need to go upstairs and get a proper scan. And so it didn't hit me. Like I was like, okay, so we're going to go upstairs, and doctor literally just fucks off and it was so brutal the way she said it yeah. looking back. And um, I think that was part of what was so much of the shock. There was very little compassion. And, you know, we coached the hospital afterwards on this, but, um, you know, cause we didn't want other people to go through that same experience, like the, the harshness, but, you know, mm. so we, we sort of, we go into this, into this elevator, which is internal elevator. So we didn't have to go outside and we're still sort of in shock and, we get upstairs and we sort of walk into this sort of big surgery room type of room with his bed and all these monitors everywhere. And this guy comes over, this Pakistani guy, and he's like, I'm, you know, and I said, mate, you're, um, oh, he said, oh, sorry for your loss. And I'm someone in life who's like, and particularly like I'd just spent the last nine months in a coaching program, which was all about you fucking cause what you want to cause in life. Like, you don't get stopped. So I turned to him and said, mate, that's the wrong attitude to have. He's whatever you've got to do, you've got to work your magic and get him out of there. And he turned to me and he said, look, there's nothing we can do, you know? And it kind of just hit me like, do you mean there's nothing we can do? Like you get him out of there. He's sick. You need to get him out of there. And he's like, we can't, he's dead. And we can't like, there's, there's nothing you can do. Brutal. And so we sit on the bench, like on the bed, and he's like, look, I'll, you know, and still hadn't kind of hit, you know, it was still like this fucking shock of, what do you mean there's nothing you can do? Like, we were here two days ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so we sit down on, like, I sit down on the bed next to my wife. He puts the monitor on and he points to the screen. He said, look, you know, you see this screen up here, the see how there's no activity, see how it's black and white? It should be blue and red signifying his heartbeat, signifying that he's got no heartbeat. There's nothing you can do. I'm so sorry. I'm going to give you a few moments to deal with it. And it was like, oh, fucking, it was horrific. Like the scream, like in that room, I will never forget it. Like from your life? Horrific. Yeah, both, like both of us, but particularly like for her and like, Almost uh, out of body, like like you're hearing yeah. it, you're not Prime hearing it. Like, yeah. like fucking horrific, like someone was, yeah, he, he, like you could tell someone had died, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's almost yeah. like someone had died. Like it was almost like he was still there up until that point, you know what I mean? And it was like yeah. fucking horrific and we're just like bald and bald and bald, you know? And, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know at that point, right? Like how you even summon the strength to do whatever needs to be done next. Like mm. I've experienced childbirth with my wife and I've experienced losing someone who's much older and it's horrific. But, mm. but in that moment, I can't even comprehend oh. the, the pain and the like, yeah. is it just numbness or is it confusion? Um, Definitely confusion, like, because it went from being, like, the most 
anticipated like exciting moment of my life you know what i mean like it was yeah. like and then it was like bang and no warning like pure excitement to pure just bang emptiness um just horrific levels of pain and, and grief and sadness and is there like there wasn't there wasn't any sort of make wrong or you know like questioning did we do something wrong or you know who's to blame for it it was just pure heart shattering just you know yeah again yeah. Can't, can't comprehend was there no. was there was there part of you at that point that that's like trying to be a partner um and comfort your wife uh, or you just in like it's just so such a big shock that you you're just trying to make sense of like how, how does all that unfold yeah. two um, of you together like yeah it was definitely supporting like holding her and like i was screaming crying but like it, it just for her like it, because you know i could feel her pain too you know like i could mm-hmm. and i can feel that 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 mother pain of like you know she's lost her son like that you know like that that moment when you know there's nothing you can do you know like is gone like it was like what the fuck you know and like with such beautiful people like us just devastated and then like we must have cried for like maybe five ten minutes you know and then it was like fuck now i fucking gotta go tell people you know like yeah go go go, like what do we do now you know what i mean like and it's like okay well then the logistics of it kicked in, you know, like, okay, well, she's got to give birth to him. You know what I mean? Like we didn't want to, didn't want to have a C-section like, you know, um, so then like, you know, like the, then the the doctors come in and sort of start giving us, Hey, you know, look, okay. So here are your options, you know, like you can do this or this. And it's like, no, no, we'll have him naturally, you know? And, um, you know, so we can have an epidural to take away the, the pain and, um, you know, your body will naturally, like just what what happens now, you know, your body's naturally going to go into labour and you're going to have a full labour experience as if, like, he's alive, you know. Mm. And it's like, fucking hell, like, you know, now we've got, like, and then, yeah, so, like, supporting my wife to make whatever choices she wanted. If she wanted a C-section, I would have, you know, empowered her that way and she didn't, um, you know, she wanted to give birth to him and... You know, so then, then it was like, fuck, you know, like, yeah, you know. Are you, are you okay to talk about those moments after his birth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, let's like just to, to give you what happened, like because we had family outside, like it was like they're fucking waiting. You know what I mean? There's the doula, there's her best friend, her mum. And so we sort of decided to go down the epidural route. They then take us back down to that same fucking room. <laughs> I don't know why they did that, but the same room that they told us in, yeah. that one had obviously cleared out. But, um, yeah, then, the, like, mother-in-law comes in and her best friend, Dula, comes in and we're all just like, he's fucking died. Like, I'd never heard of a stillborn baby before. You know what I mean? Like, no one wants to fucking tell you when you're pregnant, hey, just be careful, babies can die at birth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no one yeah. No one has that conversation. And you don't see people celebrating stillborn baby. You know what I mean? Like, it's hmm. kind of a new subject. I call it naivety or what. I'd never heard of a stillborn baby before. I literally didn't know that one in 116 babies die at birth. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, we can put people on a, 
on the moon or we can talk to someone on the other side of the world in the palm of our hands and like we were here two days ago and you don't know that he was sick because what had happened he he was still in the sack so the water still hadn't broken the two bacteria had got up in the sack like super rare you know like no one could have predicted it but i'm like he was obviously very sick for a while you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. Infected. so you know like no how did we not know that two days before you know what i mean and so you know like that was kind of some of the stuff going through my head anyway then so then you know we had cassie's dad then came in about 15 minutes later and it was dealing with everyone's grief as it came in you know what i mean like it was just yeah just, you see having to go through the whole thing again with each new person oh, that, that must yeah. have been horrific mate oh it was fucked it was so horrific and like i don't know where like i think a lot of the personal development i'd done and you know like i just didn't want other people to feel the pain that i felt you know and mm. so then are you, I, I, that, are you thinking that like like how quickly after that are you starting to think like that? Oh, uh, when I when I wanted to like so like after Cassie's family had been there for maybe oh probably an hour, like an hour of sort of fully crying and just holding each other and bawling our eyes out and and I was like I fucking have to ring mum and dad, you know, like my my mum and dad, you know, like they've got grandkids, you know, like four or five grandkids or whatever. You know, this was our first, my first child, and um, how, how could you even speak? Like, oh, I, I, you know, I credit a lot of the training that I'd done with Landmark was, in a mm. way, being able to, you know, in some ways it might have been bypassing it, but like I, I was able to put myself aside and and create with mum and dad like when i rang them i'm like hey are you can you guys please sit down and just put this on speaker you know and i'm like i'm really sorry to share this with you but you know and i just shared with them but i was really conscious of how i delivered it because i just didn't want them to be feeling the pain that i felt you know like i didn't want them to be you know obviously they're going to be left with whatever they're left with but i just thought if i could share with them in such a way that wasn't just a you know they, I didn't want them to see me hurt, you know what I mean? Like it would have been so hard for them knowing I'm going through that. I didn't want to amplify that, you know. So it was kind of like mm-hmm. in a way just being able to just just be brave, you know, be courageous, be – don't lose it too much. You know what I mean? Don't lose, I didn't even think that, don't lose it too much. It was more just I just wanted love and connection in the space, you know, without the concern, yeah. but, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I um, do. But I – for those of us who are particularly sensitive to other people's stuff, like I know you are, like it's amazing in those times we're thinking about other people. Like, and I can remember the same thing, like when my dad passed is I'm thinking constantly about not just my family, but the other people in the room and all these different things who might have, like they might be there with someone who's really sick. Like it's just patterning of a lifetime, right? And and it's great that it helps those other people, but like mm. – by your tears, I imagine there's a fair bit of, of like you're still grieving some of it because you just gave so much energy to other people at that time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like I don't think I processed a lot of it, you know, like it was such a shock and so much pain and I'd I'd never lost anyone. Like, a, you know, like my granddad had died and, you know, I mean, he was 80 or whatever, you know what I mean? Like old people die all the time. Like it's, they've lived their life and it's more of like, I was always like, oh, let's celebrate their life. You know, they've 
They've had a great life. Uh, you know, when when a life gets that, that, like he was the possibility of possibilities. So it was like when that gets fucking stripped at that that last moment, that rawness, and I, I didn't have any coping mechanisms. Like I didn't know how to process the raw emotion that was there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, a lot of the personal development training that I did was a lot of mindset stuff and how to um, – how to empower yourself despite your mental state, I would say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like despite yeah. your thoughts, despite your feelings, you can you can still take action. You can still cause stuff in the world. You know what I mean? It's, it is, I see it now as this form of energetic, emotional bypassing. You know, like it, yeah. I wasn't actually letting the full pain and the full experience and, and giving myself fully to just allowing myself to just grieve, you know, just be in that pain and, and be okay, you know, like um, – and I think a lot of that had to do with when I was a when I was a kid, like, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've done, particularly in the last sort of four months, like around my inner child wounding and um, as sort of a, a two-year-old boy, I, I sort of my dad's dad died and he was the youngest of five boys, you know, and, and um, so dad was very close with his dad and, and he died suddenly, like they were fishing one weekend and then bang, he had a heart attack and died and I, I I can't remember the, you know, and you, like I've done 10 years of personal development, you know, where we sit and think about what, when was the first time you had this experience, you know what I mean, in the mind. Mm-hmm. And um, I can never think of shit when I was younger. <laughs> I just never think of it. It's like, I don't know, do you want me to make something up from when I was three? You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and feeling this pain, like particularly in the last few months, like, you know, having – um you know, a beautiful, beautiful relationship, you know, like it's, it's being in, in a really intimate, close divine union with someone has brought up a lot of this sort of inner woundings, right? And um, I can, I can ex- I remember the experience. I don't remember the actual event itself, but I remember the feeling of being helpless around my dad crying and crying and crying and being really, and me as a two-year-old boy not being able to, in like not being able to make him laugh, not being able to make it better. You know mm. what I mean? And, mm. Like that, yeah. So we might come back to that because I imagine there's going to be some some um, significant patterns that then unfolded from that moment. I, I'd I'd love to hear more about yeah. the what unfolded in the weeks and months after, for the benefit of people who have been through this, so they got you know they can yeah. really relate to to it because I because I know that the first couple of weeks are difficult, but there's a lot of people around. Yeah, people slowly start to fade away, and then you're left going, "Well, what the fuck do I do now?" Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, we had such a busy life before, but a lot of people just didn't know what to do. Yeah, so what to say? Yeah, well, I, right. And, and, fuck, right? It's probably one of the worst things you can do. If I can share with anyone, like sometimes the best thing you can do is message someone and, "Hey, I'm just thinking of you. I have no words to say other than I love you." And if I can be here in any way, let me know. That's yeah. so much more supportive and so much more loving and, and reassuring to that person than just not doing anything because you don't know. You know what I mean? It's okay yeah. not to know. I didn't fucking know. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't, what do you say to someone who's just lost a baby at birth like that? I didn't. There's nothing you can say. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not going to take my pain away by you saying some magical shit. You know what I mean? I just, you know what I mean? But people sort of didn't, you know what I mean? And that was a bit of a gap for me anyway. Um, 
you know, we had his funeral a week later, you know, which was was fucking horrific, you know, like looking at a little, you know, we went casket shopping and we had to, you know, um, I can't remember who the funeral place was in Brisbane, but they were really beautiful. They gave us a, a complimentary you know, um, casket and was a part of their, you know, just a couple of shout outs, like heartfelt was amazing. They took photos with Lucas. So, um, you know, Cassie gave birth to him, which was like the next morning. So that was on the Thursday night, gave birth to him on the Friday morning. Um, you know, it was, was very horrific, like, because you're going through labor, pushing, hmm. and then it was silence. You know what I mean? There was no screams. There was no nothing. It was pure silence. And, you know, we got to hold him, you know, like it was like a full, you know, you can imagine a full baby, you know what I mean? He just waiting for him to open his eyes, open his mouth, you know what I mean? And, um, so we had family and friends come and join us at the at the um, at the hospital. You know, mum and dad flew down from Townsville, and um, I had my best mates come in, and you know, people got to be around him, and you know, we had him there for people to see. You know, like, um, and then we on the Friday night we watched. I remember taking him up with the boys. We got KFC and beer, and I took my boy up, and we watched Australia versus New Zealand in the footy. <laughs> <laughs> we kicked everyone out of the uh, like they managed to get our uh, the the hospital staff room with the tv and you know they don't normally do it but we got all beer in and you know yeah. it was five or six of my mates and we just sat there with him and you know and then like you say like they all go back to their normal lives you know what i mean they go home and then um we did a photo shoot with him the next day and then we said goodbye to him they went off and got cremated um and then we had his funeral a week later you know and and um yeah, we had a good friend, Madeline, who was a senior program leader at Landmark and phenomenal woman, like powerhouse woman. Just we, She flew up from, from Sydney to sort of lead the ceremony and really provided a beautiful space for us to just honour him and, and, and grieve and cry. And, um, you know, it was such a sad space. It was so horrific, you know. And, mm. um, you know, then we 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 went away to New Zealand for 10 days afterwards. Like um, we just decided to just, we needed to get away, you know, and I sort of say to people, we did a, a, a pork belly and lamb shank tour of New Zealand because all we did was go, you know, we're on the North Island and we just went to pub, pork belly and lamb shank, and then to the next pub, pork belly and lamb. We didn't do any sightseeing. We didn't, you know I mean? We're just in our own cocoon and we just ate like cheese, wine, ice cream, you know, just pigged out, you know, and um, yeah, it was kind of, when I got back, like it was, it was just like, and I get it, like people's lives, like you say, people's lives move on, you know. And he was like, you know, part of the, one of the hardest parts was coming home from the hospital with an yeah. empty, empty carrier, you know what I mean? And having to take that into the house with the nursery set up. Yeah, wow. Going like, well, what do we do? You know, like a whole life had been planned around this baby, you know, and, um, you know, so, yeah, that, like it was just horrific. And then I was running sort of two businesses at the time and I remember being in Townsville at my parents' place and, you know, I was expanding one of the – it was an app. Was, this is like 2014, so it was a smartphone app um, that showed local businesses and their deals. And um, I was going to be launching into Townsville and I was looking for sort of reps to take on. And, you know, I was lying on the couch going, I just – like, what's the point? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like – I don't fucking care anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? I was in so much pain. I was like so confused. I was like, I just wanted to be a dad so much these last year, you know, like, 
everything had been working towards this. And, um, you know, I remember like Max's wife, you know, Cassie, saying to me, you know, like, you, like you're going to be a demonstration to your son, like, of what's possible, you know, like, you get to live, you know, you get to choose who you're going to be about this, not like in a bad way, you know what I mean? It was really sort of, sort of pick myself up off the canvas and, you know, all go, well, I'm going to be a demonstration of what's possible in life because he didn't get to live a life. You know what I mean? And that empowered the shit out of me because I was like, you know, well, I'm going to honour my son by living my fullest life. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, which turned into a burden, which we can share about. But, um, you know, it got me up off the canvas and, you know, I got back down. We, we come down from Townsville and, um, you know, I was overweight. I was kind of like, I can't keep working 70 hours a week. You know, I don't want to do this business anymore. Um, I started looking at other opportunities to just get myself out of it. And a friend of mine had done um, pretty well in isogenics. You know, he'd lost 10 kilos himself. Um, and I'd watched him build the business over about a six-month period. And, um, you know, I'd spoken to him. I had the irony of this now, like, end up being one of my best mates. Um, and, we, you know, we travelled the world together. But he, uh, when I rang him before we went to New Zealand because um, he was doing some advertising in my newspaper. We sort of, and I was helping him with isogenics and just helping him, you know, uh, that's my, that was my business. And um, I rang him and he's like, hey, dad, how's it going? And I was like, fuck, like bang straight away again. You know, like it was like yeah. the trauma of having to deal with telling everyone over and over and over and over and over again, like not their fault, you know what I mean? Like they hadn't seen anything. Like we don't fucking put a Facebook post up, you know, and go, hey, by the way, my baby died, yeah. so please don't ask me about it, you know. Um, and I was just started bawling and I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, bro. Like I'm sorry to tell you this, you know, but he died in labour, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he started bawling his eyes out because he'd had a stillborn baby. Oh. We'd known each other for three years. For, never like, talked about it. Never talked about it. Right? And he's got, you know, he had two beautiful girls that uh, come afterwards, but never talked about it. You know what I mean? It was never, you know what I mean? I never saw a Facebook post, you know what I mean? Hmm. And um, it's like, what do you mean? You know, he's like, yeah, for, you know, and like same experience, you know, died in labor. And, um, you know, so, um, yeah, when I got back from New Zealand, I was I rang him. I was like, man, I like I want to, I just don't want to do what I'm doing, man. I'm done. You know, I've been watching you. Are you making any money or what? <laughs> Yeah, because that was fucking smoke and mirrors network marketing, like yeah, hashtag lifestyle, right? I've been around long enough. I've been, you know, I was in Mway in my early twenties, and I got I got pitched every five minutes when I was in business coaching. Like I've been in business mentoring and sales for ten years. Like everyone's like, you'd be great in my team, and I'm like, a fucking course I would. Um, <laughs> I'm highly trained in sales. I've got a massive network. You know, people trust me. People love me. You know, um, you know, and I care about people. So, and. um I said, cut the bullshit. Show me how much money you're making. And he showed me that he was making 10 grand a month. And um, so I said, all right, well, man, if you can show me how to do that in 90 days, I'm in all in. I said, I'll give you 30 hours a week because I'm already doing 60, 70. So I don't really have a lot of capacity, but, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was in June. And um, so Lucas died in May. That was in June. And within 30 days, I was making 10 grand a month. We had 30 days. 
yeah, I, it was literally in a week, to be honest. Like, it, was, it was fucking went ballistic. Like I, I rang it, you know, I just rang people and shared my story and said, look, you want to get healthy. I want to, you know, I'm, this is on a mission. You know, I shared my story. I, you know, I, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I was power there. of the story, right? hundred percent. And I was just authentic. I wasn't trying to, you know, manipulate people or dominate people into something. Like I wasn't selling the business opportunity, so to speak. I was just selling like, hey, health's really important for me. You know, I've put on a heap of weight. I want to re- lose a bunch of weight, but I also want to help people and create a really healthy community. Are you interested? If you're not, it's totally cool. But, you know, and, and most people are like, yeah, look, I'm interested or whatever. And so we registered a bunch of our friends. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, we started making money and, made um you know sort of three four grand in one week and then people like hey you know i'm interested in the business side of it and then you know within sort of 30 days we're i'm doing bloody vision boards in my house you know like 10 15 people around and you know we're like what are your dreams and you know it's like this the nursery was still set up right like it just it was like, you know, the nursery is almost like the old life and the new life, you know what I mean? Like, don't want to deal with that. Let's create this positive, you know, feel good, motivated, you know, I'm healthy and, you know, like just got this new vision for life and, you know what I mean? It took the pain away in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and, uh, yeah. Oh, keep going, sorry. No, I was just going to say it took off from there. Like, you know, yeah, within yeah. 90 days, though, like I was getting flown to Sydney to train people and share my story, you know, because, wow. was, you know what I mean? Like, it's an amazing story, right? Like, and, you know, obviously people get inspired and impacted by it and, you know, the company saw that as well and it was like, you know, well, let's put catch at the front of the room and, you know, like obviously I've done a lot of training so I could train a room of 400 people. It's, you know, like I was, I love that, you know what I mean? So it was like it's a win-win-win for everyone but like it became like this tsunami of people around and, you know, sharing my story even, you know, bigger events and, you know, like just um, – yeah, it led to five years of traveling the world and, you know, changing thousands of people's lives. And, you know, like it was a beautiful part of my life. But, hmm. yeah, um, yeah. So you've got something to throw yourself into. How did your wife then cope at that time? Because so, I mean, you've both got stuff that you've still got to process. You're at least channeling it somewhere. You even said to me before we jumped on, you said you use that pain to really drive your results. Yeah, how did how did things unfold for her? Well, um, so like we were both sort of senior leaders with Landmark, so um, you know, like we had sort of Landmark had said to us, just take your time whenever you want to come back, come back. Um, you know, so Cassie sort of uh, you know was involved, like sort of involved herself with that community a little bit more. Um, but we fell pregnant with Hendrix eight weeks later. You know, oh, we wow. fell pregnant. We fell pregnant with Hendrix in the, I think she found out in the July, I think it was. You know what I mean? So there were, like it was less than three months where, bang, she's now pregnant. And you can imagine what that's like for a woman, you know, who's already gone through that and, you know, like there was a lot of her making herself wrong and, you know, questioning herself as a mom and her body and, you know, all of that as well. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it was... Um, so then her falling pregnant again brought up everything again, you know, like of fuck, what's going to happen with this one, um, you know. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it didn't – yeah, sorry, go on. Natural fear, I imagine, because that was going to be one of my questions is like you've had more kids. Like that pregnancy is bittersweet anyway. 
because you're constantly thinking about what if something goes wrong, but you're excited. But then mm. having gone through what you went through, that must have taken that to a whole other level. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was like even the first 12 weeks when we could lose the baby, you know what I mean? It just, it, it was, and the, the thing that it happened so far at the end, like it was, he was 42 weeks, right? So it like, there was never a say, you don't feel safe again. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like yeah. at any point something could happen. And, you know, I don't mean to put any fear into anyone who's out there who's pregnant or, or you know, whatever, but it, it, for me, I'd never heard of stillborn babies. You know what I mean? So it was never a fear or never a concern for mine in the space. Um, you know, but that stuff happens, you know, and, and like, you know what I mean? I, like I had a friend the other day who was, you know, having a baby and I, I, like I don't normally say this to people, but, you know, I just said to her, like, look, trust your body, you know, more than anything else, okay? Trust your body and trust him. If you don't feel movement, you know what I mean? Movement's normal. If you don't feel movement, then go and go and get help. I mean, other than that, trust your body. You know what I mean? That's all I ever give. That's the only advice I give to anyone, you know. Um, but like for, you know, for Cassie, like I think, you know, it, it, we really didn't have the tools to communicate about our grief together. You know what I mean? I was in a diff, such a different space. And I don't know whether this led to, you know, we've had, we've had two beautiful boys since and, you know, we've been separated now like for four years, you know, like 2018, um, you know, the marriage ended. But, um, you know, it, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if how, how uh, uh, the, the pregnancy and, and the ongoing fear of that, um, you know, it's horrific. Like, you know, we don't like this. Why I love this podcast, you know, like you don't get taught how to deal with this grief and, yeah. and, and, you know, you probably know better than most. It's like grief for me. No, I'm just learning this. Like it's stored in the body. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, if we don't process it, well, it's going to show up in other ways that are really unhealthy or it'll, it'll express itself in other relationships or, you know, or whatever. And, and I certainly didn't process my grief. Um, I wouldn't say healthily because I just, I don't think there's healthy and unhealthy. I think you just, there's always conscious and unconscious. You know what I mean? Like I think unhealthy can be like this bad or wrong, you know, I didn't process it bad or wrong. I just knew what I knew to do at the time. What felt good as a human was throwing myself into work and being really driven and, and inspiring other people and change. And, and she didn't have that vehicle. You know, she didn't, she didn't have that expression for her or that distraction from her for her. Mm. So um, for her, a lot of it was more internalized, like making herself wrong and questioning herself as a mom. And obviously mm. she's again. So, you know, going through that whole process. And I think women are different than men that way. You know, I mean, I think we sort of, you know, I don't know, like we sort of get a, um, a sense of purpose and accomplishment helps us value ourselves, you know, in a way that is different than women, you know, and I think, like I certainly did that to handle my grief and yeah, I think, well, you, think you think about the the natural biological instincts of being the nurturer and having all of that like um, not just maternal instincts, but the whole body prepares them for that whole experience and then that's taken away. Like I, I can't again can't comprehend like yeah. the impact that then that has mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, yeah. and that fear of then going through that again because grief brings blame, like yeah. like self-blame, external yeah. blame. That's part of the process. When when yeah. when you're like you're literally carrying a child. Like, again, we 
they can't comprehend what that must have done. So, so yeah, are you thinking really at that early stage, it's already putting pressure on the two of you, or it's more um, just she's having to deal with what she's having to deal with, and the both of you have got this fear around around the you know the birth. Yeah, oh, look, we did talk about it a lot, and and um, you know, we got coaching around it, but I wouldn't say it was like proper emotional support. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was more sort of how to understand the men, the mind and the, mm. how to power ourselves around it, so to speak. But it really wasn't the deep healing work that um, I've experienced in the last, you know, uh, period of my life anyway. Like, um, like we talked about it a lot and, you know, um, I think for me, uh, I thought in a way talking about it a lot was healing, you know, like because it made me sort of – it made not – it, you know, I brought up a lot of emotion and, you know, when I'd be sharing on stage and, you know, there's four or 500 people in the room and I share the story and I cry and, you know, I can hear people crying and, you know, I share about the journey of it and then, you know, kind of the, the I guess, the other side of it as well, you know, and, and sharing about life, you know, and, and the lessons from it and, you know, having having more gratitude for the kids you do have and the moments you do have, you know, and, and the, the, the richness that I've got in my life because of that event, you know, like I live life like I could get run over by a bus tomorrow. I don't think people, many people live like that, you know, they mm. sort of think tomorrow is a given, you know, and, and there's all these beautiful lessons that have come from it. But uh, like I thought that was the grief, you know what I mean? But it's almost like, no, no, that wasn't the real grief. Like that was sort of just, that's just the surface level stuff to sort of, you know, um, not make myself feel good, but certainly, um, yeah, yeah. Like I think there's a deeper, there's a deeper um, understanding of grief that you can't talk about, you can't process through your mind. You really need to feel and mm. and it's individual. Sorry, say that last bit again. Just sit in the pain, you know, experience the pain, and let the body do what the body does. You know what I mean? Without trying mm. to, you know make make some meaning of it yeah yeah and it's everyone's unique everyone has a unique experience through it whether you're a couple going through what you went through or or a yeah. family losing someone like there's no comparison because it's, no. it's all other stuff that it brings to the surface that sure. you're not like you talked about before about no one tells you about stillborn children like we we had our first child and and there, there was some you know there were some traumatic elements to it and craziness and you're like why doesn't anyone tell you this but there are some elements of all grief that doesn't matter what someone tells you. Nothing can yeah. prepare you for it, right? So, yeah. so when when your young fella Hendrix is finally born, like what what was that experience like? That must have yeah. been euphoric. Oh, yeah, it was. It was euphoric's the perfect word for it because it was um, like he come out in the sack too. So he was he was still in the water, like, and I literally caught like this balloon. No way. Water. See, I didn't know. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, no, I mean, either. <laughs> I knew that, you know, they're in there, but I didn't know they could come out in the water, you know, without it being mm-hmm. broken. It's pretty unique, and they're they're water babies, and it means a whole bunch of shit. Who knows? But you know, like, it's, yeah, um, it was the pure relief, you know, the pure relief and the joy, um, you know, lots of lots of tears and you know, um, celebration, and yeah, it was magical. Like, mm. it was like. Um, you mentioned in one of your stories in a, in a previous conversation we've had how um, 
so you separated from your wife and then then that real feeling of disconnect and you had a pretty magical moment recently where it was like Lucas coming back home to you so are you happy to share that, that yeah that yeah yeah for sure so um like we um you know like we had his ashes in a container and um you know we'd always sort of talked about maybe burying him somewhere or you know creating a tree or something right or letting him go in the ocean. There was a few things about it, but we never really got around to it, you know. And, um, you know, like when I when I left the marriage in 2018, I sort of, um, you know, like it, there was just never really any a conversation around completing hmm. that, right? And um, I actually moved back in with my ex-wife and her mother-in-law uh, in the middle of, sort of September 2021, you know, um, for family reasons, for personal reasons, I was really suffering from a lot of depression. I was um, quite suicidal in my thoughts. I was very down. I was just lost. I was fucking broken. I was a broken man um, and just beat down. And it was like, kind of like I'd avoided a lot of life's lessons or soul lessons in a way by staying very busy, you know, being mm-hmm. very, being very ambitious, um, being very goal orientated, sort of accomplishing things. You know what mm. I mean? And um, it was kind of like I was bankrupt, like the saying in Landmark, like your strong suits, like the ways of being and acting that you cause results in life no longer work. And it's kind of like the, the, the axe that I was chopping the tree down is just no, it's blunt. Mm. You know what I mean? No matter how hard I chopped, it was blunt and I was, I was fucked. I was so broken. And um, I was living in Byron Bay, like, you know, I was consulting, doing, business work and working, you know, four days a week. I had my boys three days a week. I was, um, you know, earning a good career money and, you know, like living in a really beautiful environment in Byron Bay, nice apartment. Like you look and go, that's a nice life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and But I was deeply like just lost, you know, and, um, you know, I'd, <laughs> I'd uh, taken a lot of psychedelics at the end of 2020 to sort of, I was really lost and angry at the world, you know, mm. about sort of what was going on. And, um, you know, I was, I was just, I was lost. So I, I you know, just being honest, I, I attempted suicide through psychedelics. And um, wow. I just, I'd had enough of the world, to be honest. I was in so much pain and I didn't know what it was at the time. I was just really angry and I was really sad and I was lost and I was like, fuck this world, I'm out of here. You know, it's too much, you know, and I think a lot of people have felt that over the last few years, a lot of impasse anyway, you know, mm. and I think too, maybe a lot of people who haven't processed grief, like I, did, I, I didn't know that I wasn't processing stuff, you know what I mean? I was doing my best anyway, and I'd get support and get guidance. But anyway, um, like that experience, like opened up a whole world of sort of mind blowing shit, but it opened up a really dark space for me. You know what I mean? Really dark shadows came in and my life became really sort of, I just, I couldn't cope. I, I just, I, I didn't believe in myself anymore. I, I couldn't talk to, I couldn't even look people in the eye. Like, wow. and I'm like, you know, I'm someone who's highly, you know what I mean? I've spent 20 years in sales and personal development. I can talk to anyone, anywhere, anytime, you know, and like, I'm confident. I'm, you know, I love myself. I don't, you know, but I just was lost, you know, so do you, you've, I imagine you've processed a fair bit of that now. Do you know what that underlying anger was that you hadn't processed? Um, 
I was, I think I was really heartbroken. Yeah. Is you know what I mean? Like I, I was angry at the world because it had caused so much. Like I was just in so much pain. You know, like it was yeah, so well. so painful dealing with Lucas dying, and then you know. Um, I left Isogenics in uh, 2019. I sold my business and I walked away and um, I'd left my marriage. I left my community. So I'd built this community up, you know, and I'd given my guts to empowering all these people and, you know, really just fucking giving my soul. And, um, you know, when I walked away, like this sort of, it was like no one knew how to deal with me walking away. It was kind of the same when I when Lucas died. It's like even though we had a beautiful community around us, no one reached out and just said, hey, I'm just, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Mm. And so I experienced an enormous amount of grief with that that I didn't really process. And then when I left Isogenics, it was like my community around me had done exactly the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. Like you know, people don't know what to say and, you know, they've got their own agendas and whatever, but... You know, I mean, it was like this fucking horrific sort of not able to process and then feeling really lonely, isolated, like um, probably scared, you know, was there too, but like really sad. I was heartbroken, hmm. you know, and I and I felt like everyone had their own sort of um, agendas and their own sort of self-concerns and no one gave a fuck about me. That's what it was. You know particularly I mean? when you're some yeah i do I particularly like, when you'd spent your life being that giving, person that, that giving, always yeah. cared about everyone else yeah for sure right and here mm. i like i'd given so much and then it was like such nothing you know, you know what i mean and then like i think it was yeah i liken it i liken it to like we all have a well of what it is that we do really well and eventually when we are continuing to empty that well into other areas and we're not having it replenished mm. by reciprocation or by finding other ways to, well, then, yeah, that's what happens, right? We, we mm. everything dries up and we just sink into a, into this dark hole. And yeah. then we're like, it's again, it's that confusion energy you talked about before. You're like, hang on, how is this even possible? Like I've, mm. I've just tried so hard to keep everyone else happy and yeah. now like, here I am like, yeah, just, and it makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's confusing as shit. Like, yeah. Particularly when like, you know, they're like, they're good people. You know what I mean? It's not like they're dickheads, yeah. like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, but it's like, doesn't take away the, the sad, like, you know, the heartbreak of it really, you know, um, you know, and I, like I was just angry. Like I was just so angry at the world, you know, like I felt so betrayed and, um, you know, like I, yeah, like there was stuff around the kids and that sort of stuff, but it was just mainly I was just angry at the world and heartbroken, you know, that in a way, yeah, humanity treats each other this way in, in some way. So yeah. how did you how did you pick yourself up, like, from that suicide attempt and, and rebuild from there? Like, where, where do you go from there? Yeah. Um, well, like I... I um, you know, I take my hat off to my ex-wife, you know, like she she sort of welcomed me back into her, her family home with her mum and, you know, like like I, I I left the marriage, you know, I walked out and, you know, like it wasn't 
wasn't that like wasn't really aggro like there was sort of animosity and you know like there's obviously upset and hmm. everything like that but we'd sort of mended a little bit of it but you know um i sort of said to her you know like i i, I got nothing i i can't contribute financially i can't do my job i i, I you know i can look after the kids and i can help around the yard because she lived in five acres in the northern rivers and um and i'll cook once a week <laughs> I cook right once a week. That's it. That's all I got. You know what I mean? I, I I don't have any space. I don't have any. You know, that's all I can contribute. So, um, you know, that helped. Like you know, being around the kids helped. You know, um, having a bit of a purpose to help them get up and go to school, or you know, mm. pick them up after school and take them, you know, down to the beach or or whatever. Um, nature helped. You know, like um, being surrounded by nature, like. And, like, it's just little bit by little bit I chipped away at it, you know, and I kept sort of asking for support and getting guidance. And there's a few things. So, like, nature helped um, going for walks. Like, so I didn't have, I, you know, I've never been a gym junkie or, you know, I didn't, didn't sort of, I don't, you know, I know you go running. Um, I'm like, what the fuck are you running to? <laughs> <laughs> it's what you're running it's what you're running from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only time you'd ever see me running. There's something fucking chasing me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm like, it's never, like I've never um, experienced the joy of my body exercising like that, you know. And um, so, so I'd go for a walk, you know, for half an hour down the road. And um, I did a session with um, a galactic intermedium, uh, which was a bit crazy. Um, yeah, sounds crazy. I'm fucking open to anything, man. <laughs> like I've been around personal development and that's making fuck all of a difference. So maybe some really weird shit, you know. And yeah. she was phenomenal. Like she um, you know, she nailed me and sort of one one she goes, Look, all I'm getting from my guides is sport, sport, drugs, drugs, drugs. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh fuck, you've nailed me, you know. Like she's like, Yeah. And she's like, Okay, so and we did some um sort of some processes around like what because i like i was deeply questioning my i'd lost my spark in life you know and that was kind of the work we started to do was sort of to journal out like well why i'm asking myself that question you know and what's my concern like what's my biggest fear and um you know she was i was like well you know i feel like i've lost my spark and then she's like you know and so like doing the deeper layer stuff behind that did some really weird shit (laughs) won't tell it on here but it's you know that you know just intergalactic tribal stuff that's like ancient weird shit that i'm like i don't know about this but anyway yeah uh uh, and then um i did some breath work stuff helped you know i sort of you know um did a bit of wim hof stuff was doing sort of every couple of days like i wasn't putting all this pressure on to change my life and have to develop these daily habits and completely Mm. transform my life it was literally just do what i could at the time you know um know like if there's people watching this like you know like I, I know for myself i didn't have much i didn't have anything to give you know and i'd been someone who'd put so much pressure on myself and so much you know what i mean like literally two months after my baby died i'm fucking sharing about it on stage to inspire other people you know what i mean like I, yeah. i've always been that for myself but it was like this level of compassion mm-hmm. that i had to learn for myself and be gentle so breath worked help so i started to do a bit of that um and then you know, then it was one of the most humbling experiences was putting a resume together. Yeah. You know? You've had businesses for all those years. Oh, man. Like, you know, I mean, I hadn't put a resume together since like 2000 and oh, like three or four, you know, like yeah. 
and you know, like I've coached, I could walk in and coach most business owners. Doesn't matter, you know, like yeah. at high levels. And you know, I mean, here I am going and fucking begging for a job to serve people coffee, you know. And um, but it was it was a step for me. You know what I mean? It, like whatever steps, fine. Just as long as you take a step, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't have to be this giant. You know, like I. Sorry, what are you gonna say? I was gonna say it got you back in a community with people. Hundred percent. Well, it, what it what it did was like it. Um, well, first of all, someone like I went in and applied for a job on the river in a Ballina, and um, Georgia, the young manager there, was like like I connected with her and sort of talked to her and like, I, it was like me putting myself out there a little bit, you know what yeah. I mean? It was like, fuck, okay, I could do this. You know, I could talk to her and, you know, like, okay. And she believed in me, you know what I mean? She's like, yeah, I'll come, come in for a trial on Thursday. So I was like, okay, she, someone else believes in me, you know? And it's like that old, like saying like, you know, someone else believes in you more than you believe yourself. Like sometimes you need that reflection. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've always reflected that to people, but I was at my lowest and I was like, fuck, you know, and, um, so, you know, I went in and um, it gave me, a you know, a sense of a, achievement and a, a bit of a purpose and I could I could take my mind off all the negative thoughts and all the um, experience, like feeling, experiencing myself feeling shit and, and feeling really lost and lonely and, and deep depressed and down and, you know, I could just, okay, I, I have to go and be positive at this job and, and help people and you know like i was literally like questioning fuck am i going to be able to learn the menu and teach you know talk to people about what's on the food menu and it's like fuck man like you know who you are catch you know what i mean like i look back now and go this is funny but like at the time it wasn't funny at all you know what i mean it was fucking confronting you know and mm-hmm. um i then went and when i got that job on the thursday you know um i then went and applied for another job at uh, the coffee shop just around the corner that was like this really busy bakery and um, they do really nice food and it was just super busy and I was like oh man I reckon it'd be cool to work there because it's just like like I like working somewhere where I'm proud to work you know and if if people go there and have really nice food and coffee like it's very busy so obviously they do a good job and um, you know like and I was kind of like okay if I just go there and apply you know um, I'd give them my resume there the week before and then key is follow up if you're ever in business follow up follow up follow up there's one thing i've learned it made you made a fortune was following people up yeah. but um i went and followed up and said hey i handed my resume and she's like oh yeah i saw that sorry come in for a trial tomorrow and i got that job as well and you know that job was like literally serving people as they're coming through i'll get your food i'll order your coffee thanks give me the money see you later you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. four or five hundred people a day like no time to think no time to Bugger, you know, um, and that was like February, March, you know, and I sort of like it took a few months and I started to feel sort of, okay, I'm starting to feel a bit more of my vibe back. Um, you know, I, I wanted to learn coffee, so I hopped on the coffee machine a little bit and then um, that sort of gave me a bit of a spark because I love learning, you know, like it's one of my core sort of um, uh, values is is growth and, and sort of so I was like, okay, and then, um, yeah, new owners took it over and completely changed the culture of it. I was ready to leave because I was like, you know, they'd been treating me pretty badly and, you know, there was the family-run business and they were just terrible with staff and I'm like, oh, I wonder why there's nobody working here. I wonder why there's job vacancies going and sometimes. Sometimes it's because no one else wants to fucking work there because <laughs> there are jobs to work for, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, so, you know, I was copping all this shit and I'm like, 
I'm better than this. I don't need to hear you, you know. Literally, I'd walk in at 5.30 in the morning and one of the daughters would be like, make sure you put the pie signs on. And I'm like, I've been putting the pie signs on every morning for four months, you know what I mean? Like, thanks for leadership, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was like, it's time to leave. And then Sam, the new owners, come in and said, hey, we're taking over the bakery. And I was like, you know, we if you want to be on the coffee machine, we'll put you on the coffee machine. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll be full-time there and I'll make coffee and um, – you know, that was a beautiful experience learning coffee. And I just loved it because it kind of brought back, I wasn't just making coffee. I was actually make, you know, for those coffee lovers out there, you know what it's like when you get a good coffee and you yeah. get a good barista, it fucking changes your whole day. You know what I mean? Like people look for some people like this is a highlight of my day. So I would make coffees and then I'd show them some of the artwork and, you know, like I like hundreds of coffees, like three, 400 coffees a day, right? It was like just pumping, pumping, pumping. But it gave me purpose again. It gave me a bit of, I started to get myself back. I started to get that um, sort of mojo back. I started to believe in myself again. I started to love people again because I was, I was, I didn't love myself in a way, so I couldn't love other people. And you know, um, like I, you know, I started to sort of trust myself again. And you know, slowly over time, sort of, you know, I started to get my belief back. And then, yeah, sort of four months ago, everything changed when I sort of met Katie and my uh partner now and um i went to a mate's event uh who um his brother was dying of cancer and um he put on this event to honor his brother and sort of say everyone get your heartbeat back it was like it was own your own your beat i think it was called and it was all about sort of getting that mojo back in your life and for me it was like you know and, and my mate's really successful in the network marketing industry and, and he's done a lot of personal development and you know, I've got a lot of love for him and his wife and they're um, beautiful people. And I was like, oh, I'll go along and support my mate. And also, like, I want to sort of get my spark back. You know, I feel like I'm sort of getting, you know, catch back again. And you know, I'm starting to feel that sort of, you know, maybe I want something more out of life again. You know, there's nothing wrong with just making coffee and being in a, serving in a restaurant. But it was like I just... I sort of like wanted, I was just like, I want to get myself back, you know, like uh, I think there's something more for me to do, you know, what's the next phase in my life? And um, yeah, so I walk into this event and I walk in and see Katie, my partner, and she's crying and um, she just for some reason has started crying and um, I'd seen her on Facebook before, um, uh, you know, she's a healer and a coach, just feminine business work and I'd seen her about a year before she's really beautiful like gorgeous face like just beautiful blue eyes and big lips and just curly hair and she's just fucking spectacular and um i used to follow her online like you know like i was in the network marketing space i was in the online business space i just i love yeah. surrounding myself with you know beautiful people with beautiful messages and um you know she didn't know that i knew her you know what i mean we just had mutual friends and i started following yeah. her and um so I walk in and just said to her, you know, hey, it's it's beautiful to see someone who's authentic offline as they are online. Um, you don't know me, but you're Katie, right? She was like, yeah. She's like, yeah, like, you know, I follow you. We've just probably got mutual friends. You know, I've seen you share before. Um, you know, I know you're eating. So, you know, I'd give you a hug, but I know you're eating. And um, she's like, no, I'll have a hug. And I gave her a hug and walked off and, Little did I know she'd been calling in her king for over a year and, you know, all of her friends had been trying to set her up with all these guys in the last few months. So I walk off and her friend was like, who the fuck was that? <laughs> and, um, you know, we had a, yeah, I didn't really think anything of it. It wasn't like, oh, I want to be with her or anything. And then, you know, the event kind of unfolded and, you know, we, we were sort of dancing and singing and um, 
I sort of just started to feel myself again and, and you know, like I sort of said to her, hey, you know, she was sort of dancing in the middle and it was like lots of people around and I said, hey, is it okay if I treat you like a goddess? And she was like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, would you like a glass of water? I'll get you a glass of water, you know, just to look after her. I wasn't trying to fucking mm-hmm. hook up with her. I was just wanting to treat her really because she's a really beautiful person, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, at the end of the event, we literally just sat on the couch and talked and then, I said to her, do you want to, let's go down the beach and talk. And, you know, um, the next 10 days we spent 40 hours on the phone talking to each other, being each other. other. And, you know, we've been on this incredible journey since of the last four months where all of our, it's been the most magical, delicious moments of my life. And it's been very confronting because it's like all my, all my wounds around. I literally said to her when we got together, I don't have any wounds. So we're all good. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I've fucking done so much work on myself. You know, I've done personal development. I've, I've done, you know, coaching. I'm, you know, I've healed myself. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. She, you know, she laughed at me. And then, um, you know, all, all my wounds have proceeded to come up at a very intense level, you know, because, yeah, the love we have for each other is very intense. So my wounds, her wounds, we sort of have been triggering each other. And we're both mm-hmm. very, big on taking responsibility like we're both big on you know like owning our shit and um i quickly realized that a holy fuck i've got a whole world of wounds that i knew nothing about you know Uh so uh being able to process that in a in a um look it's been fucking challenging very challenging you know and we've been through like i would say hell you know it's been very painful like painful as pain put it this way as painful as what childbirth has been like it's been fucking horrific oh wow yeah because it's like i never dealt with i never dealt with the grief like i never dealt with the the, the, the pain right so it was like the pain's there to, to in my face like i couldn't avoid it now you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it was like you know like this outpouring of fucking sadness and grief and um you know ex- yeah just extreme levels of um pain you know and mm-hmm. you know. um when when you talked about that going through hell i got like a like a knife through the liver right so it's like that's like intense anger so sometimes the anger sits there and we don't even know why um mm-hmm. can be from like you've just you've just outlined all these incredible incredibly painful moments so that's going to mm-hmm. have anger but like you, you know what it's like right when you start going back it's all yeah. those other things that happened before all of that where there's still yeah. that stuff sitting in the system. So like what, yeah. what, what I want to say is, I, I mean, I honour you because it would have been easy for you to go, I've done all the work, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then you go through what you went through and yet you've just shown, like, it's not always like, oh, you just go do all this and everything's good. Like, no, no, like, you got to keep. You got to keep going. You got to keep moving yeah. forward. Use that word growth. Like if you're not growing, you're just going mm-hmm. backwards. You're sliding back into a hole. And we've all yeah. been there. We've all been in in those holes when we we stopped doing the things that got us there, right? Yeah, for sure, for so sure. Like I, I love what an example you are of what, like you just got to keep going. Yeah, yeah, and not like there's anything wrong to fix. Like, but to me, like the, there's a level of deliciousness in life, like that that comes from being willing to, to, to sort of tear yourself apart and, and get them. Um, I was sort of saying to Katie yesterday, it's like a, a rubber band effect. You know what I mean? Like 
you know, if you look at tension in our life and it's like a rubber band and, you know, we've got on this side, we've got a level of deliciousness and amazingness in our life. And on this side is uncomfortable soul growth and, and pain and, 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 and getting rid of all these stories that have been ingrained in us and releasing it all from the body, whatever. And we pull back a little bit, you know what I mean? We want something here, so we have to go through the uncomfortable, right? And yeah. it gets so fucking uncomfortable that we let go of the rubber band and we get a little bit of reward, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And then it's like, well, that'll do, that'll do for me, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, hang on, what about this, you know what I mean? And like we get, for me anyway, what I found is that like I've been forced into these situations where it was like pulling me back, you know what I mean? And like for me with Katie, it's like I fucking want to love so much. I, I, like I just want to love her. I want to love myself. I want to love the world. I want to experience all this deliciousness. You know, we're going to have a, a family together. Like she's amazing mum to my kids. Like there's so much at stake. Okay, well, let's pull that back. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think part of the trap is as humans is like when we start growing, when we start becoming uncomfortable, you know, we let go of it and we stop, like you say, we stop doing the things that really challenge us, that really force us to give up our beliefs, that force us to do the inner healing work, that force us to really experience, you know, what our body's wanting to experience. And and then we let go of the rubber band and, and we get some sort of level of success and comfort and, you know, whether it be the marriage, whether it be the the business, you know, I know for me, I've seen friends who have had success in business. They've done the work, they've grown, they've pushed themselves, they've been uncomfortable, bang, they've let the rubber band go and they have success in their business, but they stop pulling. They yeah. stop growing, you know what I mean? And they think they've arrived somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, what I mean? and it's like the moment you think you've arrived somewhere, like oh, there's a law of procession. I don't know if you've ever heard of Buckminster Fuller. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's um he's got the um the law of procession where the universe will always tap you on track, you know, and you either listen with a feather, either slaps you across the face or it runs you over with a Mack truck. Yeah. You know. And yeah. um unfortunately for me, I, I've found that I, I tend not to listen to the feather or the slap, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, and well, I'm learned to listen, you know, to the feather, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't run from it. We were joking about running away from stuff, but you can't run because life will have a way of getting you. And and the moment you go, oh, I've got this sorted. It's like uh, I was talking to a mate yesterday about golf, and he's like, you know, I, I had a really good game, like the best, probably the best I've played. And I'm like, I reckon I've got this game sorted. And golf, <laughs> like life, has a way of grabbing you next time you play, yeah. you step out there and just reminding you who's in control. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, um, you also to remind me of just um, what you said there about running away from it. There's the um, someone like I heard a great analogy a little while back, and I shared a video of it um, about sort of this this trauma, right? Like you know, in human beings in life, there's two ways to be. You know, you can either be in the storm, right? There's there's buffalo and there's cows, and when a storm comes out in the wild, buffalo runs straight at the storm you know, and yeah, the wow. cows run away from the storm. And the reason that the buffalo run to the storm is because they know once they get to the storm on the other side, there's all this life, you know, like after the rain, the, the, the lands flourish, there's food, it's, it's just beauty, you know, and peace, you know, and serenity and all of that. And um, the cows, 
They just fuck, they leg it. They're so fearful of the trauma and the, the storm. They, they run, they run, they run. Now, eventually they get exhausted and the storm fucking runs on them anyway. <laughs> Except now they're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, like, would you, if you ask most human beings, it's like, which would you rather be? And it's like, well, of course I'd rather be the buffalo. Hmm. You know what I mean? But really, yeah. like most of us, like I think anyway, most of us tend to be like the cows, you know, even the people who have done self-awareness and whatever. It's like we can sometimes be the worst of it because it's like the trap is you're now aware, but the awareness is the boogie price. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, 100%. Uh, like we're, yeah. we're just as good at avoiding as anyone else. 100%. Um, it's a continual work in progress. And I love how you described it. You go, it's not like I was broken. It's like, I just wanted to experience more. And it's like, yeah, well, what if you looked at it that way? You're not broken, but you want to enjoy the full joy that life yeah. can give you. And yeah. to me, that's like, yeah, just, it's going to such shift of focus. So yeah. you mentioned that growth is a key value from everything you've described. I imagine you've got an awesome creative mind, right? Like you've got different ideas and that sort of stuff. And then yeah, you also sure. talked about purpose, right? So I know you're a, you're a bit of a, um, a crossroads period and you're, and you're looking at what's next for you. Mm. If you didn't take away the, the specifics, what, what do you want to see in the world? What do you want to contribute to the world to, to make it a better place? Yeah, I think, um, like there's this new entrepreneurial template. You know, for me, entrepreneurs are just people who solve people's problems for a profit. Yeah, you know, that's cool. You, you take away the even the profit side of things, like, you know, when we're all looked after, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know I mean, like, yeah, abundance and you want money and money's beautiful to have, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. And mm. once you've got a certain enough, then what do you need more of it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, you, can do, you can do more with it for sure, but... To me, like um, the entrepreneurial template is about like everyone winning, you know, everyone winning, like, and and this new earth that we sort of, you know, is sort of been thrown around for a little while now is, you know, like I believe it's here, you know, I believe it's it's not some um, grand awakening that there's going to be an alien invasion or there's going to be some sort of prophet come down and 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 all of a sudden everyone's going to have the opportunity to be enlightened. It's actually no in everyday experiences. Are you truly living a divine purpose in alignment with spirit, God, who universe, whatever whatever it is for you? Like, is there a deeper calling and a connection with humanity that's um, you are living, breathing, sharing? You know, like, and that yeah. starts like you know, like a, a homeless guy come ask me for a dollar eighty. I don't know why he asked for a dollar eighty yesterday. <laughs> He's very specific. You know, you know, I gave him. I said, mate, I've got a dollar fifty for you, so that'll do. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but normally I might ask him his name and just, you know, connect with him and say, you know, you're a good human, mate. Just, you know, look after yourself, you know. And um, that doesn't mean I give money all the way to homeless people all the time, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's like, you know, using the, the cashier's name, you know. Um, yeah. we, we went away. Simple things, right? Like we went away to, um, uh, took Cassie away, uh, Katie away to uh, Mount Tambourine and um, we went away to the beautiful um you know, witches retreat and we went for a walk and I was at the IGA and, you know, it's busy around and Paula's her name and, you know, she's going through. I'm like, hey, Paula, busy busy time of day. And she's like, yeah, it's school time. And I'm like, wow, you've got a bit of an accent. Where's your accent from? You know, it's a great conversation starter. People love talking about themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
how many people go through that cash register and are just like, give me my shit and it's transactional. And, you know, one of the things that has been heartbreaking for me, which I just live inside of now is people are not commodities. You know what I mean? Like you treat people like they're a transaction, then you're a transaction to people. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just like, you know, like I, I go to the gelato shop and the guy's, I love gelato. And, um, you know, I talk to the guy and I'm like, hey, mate, how are you going? Is this your business? Is it, I love this. I just, I, I'm not fucking going to coach him. I could, but I'm not going to. You know, man, I don't need to. Like, I just like, hey, mate, how's you, is this your business? Because the way he just talks, I, I can recognize a business owner. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, so this is your business, is it? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, mate, how long have you been here for? Oh, you know, five years. And, He's like, yeah, this is my, you know, this is my, I've settled down. And I'm like, yeah, mate, it's a beautiful spot. You know, you bring a lot of joy to the place and, you know, like what's his name? And, you know, now when I go in there for gelato, I'm using his name. Yeah. I'm connecting with him. You know what I mean? He loves it, right? And and it's like I'd be the type of customer that I would want to serve. You know what I mean? So I'd be that. And it's not like if we all did that, right, like you don't have to come up with a way that's going to change the world. You know what I mean? You literally don't. Not everyone's designed to do that. Some of us will. You know what I mean? What you're doing here, changing the world. You know, you're giving people access to a part of themselves that they, like you say, you know, we were talking about before about your, like your mate who reached out, you know, that, um, you know, said he's been following you for five years and you made a profound difference to his life and you fucking never would have known. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's that sort of stuff. Like, you're serving the divine purpose, if you like. You know, you're... You're serving a bigger purpose than your own agenda. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. And, yeah. and the the phrase that comes to mind is you mentioned transactional. We we've grown up learning transactional love, where you do this, you'll get this in return. For uh, sure. You did this bad, yeah, but you did this bad before. And it's like, yeah. I don't know, what you're describing to me is unconditional. Yeah. And yeah. when we give unconditionally, then we and be open to receiving unconditionally, that's when the universe to deliver it, right? Katie talks about it all the time in her divine feminine work. Like it's profound because I was like, I've been around business 20 years. She's taught me more about the feminine business way in four months. And I was like, fuck you, man, there's another way other than driving it out, sales, structure, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah, like, you know, really when you, when you um, can transform your relationship with yourself and do the real inner healing work and, and your divine purpose will come into you, and it's like, you know, get channeled into you or, you know, like, um, yeah, you'll div- be divinely guided in a way when you're open to receiving it and you're not attached to what it looks like. You know what I mean? You're not bringing your whatever you think from here. If you're open to here, then you you stay inside that that work and the universe will deliver you abundantly anyway. You know what I mean? It'll deliver you the perfect clients. It'll deliver you money it'll deliver you joy it'll deliver all these things to you because you're doing the divine purpose work you know what i mean it's not because you you, you had to hustle and put out a marketing strategy and sales you know what i mean it's like that's what i mean by this old entrepreneurial template of like you say transactional sort of head-based manipulative marketing dominant mm. sales you know this yeah. give to get you know i see it all the time it fucking pisses me off in the coaching industry when people be like Look at my life. You want to be like me, or um, here's some value, but I want something in return. 
You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I'll share a part of you, and and you don't do this. So I love what you do, you know. But like I see it in coaching where they 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 share vulnerably, and then it's like, yeah, if this resonates, you know, come and join my program because this is where you're going to learn X, Y, Z. It's like, well, just share yourself vulnerably. Just give people the space to to be left with what a beautiful experience and 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 like their own journey. Like, wow, that resonates with me, and you know, thanks so much for sharing. Versus, oh fuck. You, it's like you drew me in because you wanted something from me. You know what I mean? And it's it just turns people off. Like, you, you know, if you're a coach out there, you'd probably notice no one, you get crickets because yeah. people are sick of it. And I think people have, you know, this new um, entrepreneurial template, people are hungry for it. People are, you know, I think the planet's hungry for it. You know, that's yeah. why I'm excited about this commodity stuff that I'm doing is it like it's helping um, a lot of it was a like connecting crypto to currency because a lot of crypto is based in meme coins and pump and dumps and people putting money into a system. And if if you put money into a system that doesn't have any true value and it goes up in value and you take money out and become rich, it means someone else has put money in at the top and they've become poor. Mm. Old model, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I want to do. I, I want to do something and get nothing. Like do nothing and get something. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. means someone else has to do something and get nothing. Yeah. What, <laughs> you if, know what I mean? What if, yeah. What if there was a way that we could all get something? Hundred percent. And we yeah. all looked after each other. We all gave each other generously. We all, you know. Yeah. And I think when it's dying out for it, I think people are dying out for it. Like you know. I think people experience it. And I think leaders like yourself and myself, like are sharing ourselves in such a way, you know, that it's, um, that it is, it's, it, it's a profoundly different way of operating life. Yeah, you know I mean? it, it is. Yeah. And, and well, we've talked about it here around the power of the story. Like this is why you coming on and telling your story, like people, people love to hear that, people who have had success have been through their own stuff. Some of the, the best responses I get is when I talk about this shit going on in my life. Like I run into a fucking tree branch when I'm running right? <laughs> and people are like, Oh God, it's human. It's human. Yeah. Yeah. No, I fuck up all the time. Yeah. But that's allows me to go, okay, well, something wasn't quite going right there. Yeah. At the time. I, I need yeah. to address it. And, uh-huh. and, yeah, the more – and so, again, I honour you for sharing That's so openly. Me, I think – I don't know if you saw my post today. It's like don't don't try and get someone to help you who's a guru. Like find a mentor who can honour you and help you, empower you to be your own guru. Like Empower, man. Yeah. That's, that's the word, like, 100%. Yeah. It's like you don't need to fix. You don't, there's nothing wrong, you know. There's, yeah, it's beautiful. And, and, and I will add on the um, – you talked about the, the, the feminine side of business. I will say this, that men still like to do – so it's not about not doing stuff. It's just not feeling like you have to keep doing and doing and doing relentlessly and using up yeah. all your time to do it. It's like, I don't know, when you, when you feel like, I actually think you, you put a comment like this the other day, when, when if it's in alignment for, for exactly what it is that you want to do and meant to do, yeah, go, go crazy because that actually feels good. It's so okay. satisfying. Just yeah. don't get caught in the trying to push in a direction just for whatever you think you're chasing because that's just yeah. going to end up at a dead end. Nah, for sure. And I think so many men um, deal with this, right? Like we, we deal with this traditional business structures, you know, you're working hard, you're, you're putting all your value on what you're achieving, 
Yep. You know, time, and, achievement. Yeah. But, and yeah. it's very action orientated. And I, I sort of, um, oh, I saw a, um, a thing before about like the balance of manifestation and action. They're not, they're not enemies. You know what I mean? They work hand in hand. You can't just yeah. sit around and manifest all day. You can't just sit around and be like, the universe is going to deliver me and, you know, I'm going to work on myself and do all this inner healing and, you know, all of that without actually taking aligned action, you know, and you can't just sit, go taking a whole big bunch of actions and always be structure and, you know, blah, 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 if you're not doing the inner work, you know what I mean? And we live yep. in both, you know, we, we live in both a spiritual world and a physical world. And I think that's the embodiment journey of, well, you know, in business in particular, like there's so many people out there, so many men, you know, who um, are, are successful and, and they have good, strong businesses and, and you know, they're good humans, like they, they, they're good people, you know, but there's like that really inner fulfilment that's not there when they're not doing something. And I know that that was there for me. Like I think you said about touching on it before about um, – my inner child stuff, one of the things that come up for me was like in my wisdom as a two-year-old and the, the, the depth of pain that I was experiencing when my dad was experiencing his loss of his dad and I couldn't take it away from him. So I became, and my mum wasn't available to love me in a way that I wanted. You know what I mean? She's dealing with three kids under six, dad's at work 60 hours a week. She doesn't have a car. She's just not available. You know what I mean? Like imagine mm. being a mum like that, stressed and having all the trauma going on, right? And I started competing for my mum's love. You know, that transactional love you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Like I had, like if I compete, I had to compete for love. I had to compete for love. So as a kid, like I didn't just play soccer. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was a competitive four-year-old playing six with six-year-old soccer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, You'd imagine that, right? Like uh, I sort of said to a friend the other day that I was um, offering some coaching to, <laughs> could you imagine as a parent, right, um, saying to your young kids, like for me with Hendrix or Cruz, if I said to them, hey, uh, here's some painting to do, here's some colouring in to do, and based on how good you colour in is based on how much love you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um- <laughs> Oh, fuck, a bit of color in, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? But that that was my experience of myself. You know what I mean? It had nothing to do with mum. had nothing to do with dad. I made that decision, you know what I mean? Yeah, that um, about a year ago on the podcast, I interviewed John O'Sullivan, and he talks about, like, you know, the craziness that goes on on the sideline and coaching and all around this sort of stuff. And and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in the, in the interview because it had a profound effect on me. So my young fella was – for four-year-old playing against six-year-olds, similar sort of thing, right? Like intense. Yeah. And then you find out that when, when he doesn't want to shake hands with someone after a game, you're like, well, why, why is that? And so I started reading this stuff and I, and I read John's book and it's like mm. when, when you praise, that equals mum or dad love me. When there's no praise, that equals mum or dad doesn't love me at a really simple level at that age, yeah. right? Wow, yeah. When we win, everyone's cheering, and then I score a goal, everyone's cheering. When we don't win, everyone's kind of like, oh, you're okay, like, don't worry about it. So all yeah. they're hearing is, oh, mom, we lost, no. mum and dad don't love me. So, yeah, so, so then they're awesome. literally out there, like, playing for love. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, it's, it's like that actually makes so sense. I've, I've said that to a few parents. They've gone, they've, like, almost got a bit, um, oh, shit, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but this is like. 
this is the depth of the programming that, that we've been um, 100%. exposed to that we need to peel back. Otherwise, we're just going to yeah. keep repeating the same patterns. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes it, like with that rubber band conversation, like this is the uncomfortable conversations, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not that yeah, it's not what's yeah. it's not there's nothing wrong. There's nothing like you're a bad parent because of it. It's just actually there's more connection with your child when you can do the inner work to just release whatever that shit is, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like I see it in my kids, you know, and like I, yeah. I've seen it since I've started to do the work. I'm more intimate with them. Yeah. You know, like I've got more connection with my kids because I'm doing the work, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's to me yeah, yeah. there's so many gifts from doing that growth work on yourself but the impact it has for your closest relationships is oh. worth every penny you you invest in yourself yeah. Yeah, um, yeah before we wrap up i just wanted to mention one other thing because i think it's yeah. uh you'll you'll get this and it's also i think it'll be a good sort of um maybe just something for you to ponder yeah. that you being that highly emotional person um engaging sensory and you described it through, you know, when you were going through Lucas's passing, that you just invested in how everyone else is feeling, and then you took it back to that moment of of your dad, like you're so worried about, you know, I can't, I can't make him happy, I can't make him. It's it's that pattern that so many empaths experience, which is feeling responsible for other people's emotions. So there's yeah. this constant needing to make this person happy or. Oh, this yeah. person's angry. They must be angry at me. I better go fix them, or I better better make. Yeah. So it's that that this is this is the the part of responsibility that we shouldn't be taking. Like, yeah. how anyone yeah. else is feeling is actually not on us. We can create yeah. a safe environment for them. We can guide them if they need it. But yeah, like you have to make someone else happy. It's a trap yeah. as a parent uh, in your own journey in a relationship. Um, yeah. so again, I. Thank you for bringing that to the attention through your story because it's it's a big one for people to to get their head around yeah. and just having to think about. Yeah, for sure, mate. Like, it's programmed into me. I, I said to Katie this morning, like, yeah. um, you know, she had some stuff going on for her come up. You know, nothing wrong. That's what we have as human beings. Yeah. But straight away, I'm like, like anxiousness, like I need to fix it or I need to take away that. You know what I mean? And it, yes, it's I do. So cute, you know what I mean? It's like it's I, such a fucking, yeah. It's I, know like a it, I know it all too well, and <laughs> and it's still at different times a challenge, right? Like, yes, yeah. it doesn't give people hard. the opportunity around you either too to fully experience their own emotions, right? Oh, like, and, and if and if you need any motivation, there's no motivation than, than better than that. Is that the more you keep being responsible for their stuff, the more you keep them stuck where they are, they'll never be able to grow, and you'll never be able to grow your relationship with them. Yeah, that's huge. That's yeah, huge. huge. Yeah, catch that was a cracker, and mate, I I honour you for sharing the depths of that pain, and man. People listening to this, particularly if they've been through anything similar to what you've been through, will have got so much out of this. So thank you. I appreciate you sharing and I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to share and to be seen and to be heard and, you know, to be honoured. So thank you. Welcome, mate. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. 
If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.